0: Hello, everybody. My name is Bill Kiefer, and I want to welcome you to our podcast, Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. I believe the Bible is a book that God gave to us that's full of insights, wisdom, promises, and many other things that help us live daily life. So join me for the next few minutes as we look into the Word of God to find that practical wisdom we need today. Well, hey, everybody. My name is Bill Kiefer, and I want to welcome you today to this podcast. God is alive and well, living in you and living in me, and I believe that He wants to do something in our lives today. Uh, The last time I was with you, I talked to you, and I'm doing this, and this will be presented on Resurrection Day Sunday, Easter Sunday. You may or may not hear it that day, but... uh, I'm talking about that day. And anyway, I talked to you last time about the fact of the resurrection. We looked at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and Paul makes some very extreme statements. He says, if Jesus was not risen from the dead, then Christianity is useless. In the New Living, it uses that word, and I think it's very, very apropos. The Christianity is useless. All the preaching that we've done is useless. Everybody who believes that God raised Jesus from the dead and trusts in that for our salvation. We're not saved. We're not going to heaven. Our sins are not forgiven if Christ is not risen from the dead. But he ends that dissertation with this statement. But Christ is risen from the dead. He really was raised. Nevertheless, he was raised from the dead. All that would be true if he wasn't but he was. And this is what we celebrate on this Easter or Resurrection Day holiday. We're not celebrating bunnies. We're not celebrating eggs. We're not celebrating even spring. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have bunnies and you can't have eggs. That's all fine and dandy, but realize that was from another kind of culture and it was brought into Christianity, but it is not what we're celebrating. We are celebrating the fact that God raised a man from the dead. And that fact changed everything. I remember, as I said last time, preaching and looking out at the people in my church at at that point, I was still pastoring and realizing what they were dealing with, realizing what we were going through, all of us together and individually, and it just struck me. I said this then, and I'd never thought of it before, nor said it before. God, when God raised a man from the dead, he changed all the rules. Hallelujah. There's a saying, nothing is as sure as death and taxes. Well, death ain't sure no more. Hallelujah. Because God raised Jesus from the And that means a lot of things can happen. A lot of things become possible because of that. Most important, thing that becomes possible is that I can come back into relationship with Jesus. My sins, my past can be forgiven, and I can become a new creature. Now that's really what we're going to talk about today, because the uh, the resurrection is very important globally. It's it's the basis of Western culture. Whether you want to believe it or not, it is. And uh, it's, it's important to many people around the world. It's important to the church, all of those things. There's a, a big part of the resurrection and its importance. But there's also a very personal part. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is what enables us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, or better word, new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And really, in a very real sense, every one of us who has received Jesus we have had a personal resurrection. We were dead, but now we're alive. Not dead in the flesh, but we were dead in the spirit, separated from God. But because of the resurrection, everything became new. We are now alive again and connected to him again. There's an Old Testament celebration. I don't want to spend a lot of time with this, but uh, it talks about it in Luke chapter 4. Uh, Jesus is preaching, and he talks about Uh, the acceptable year of the Lord, and he says this is the acceptable year. Well, there was something called the Jubilee. Once every 50 years... Everything in Israel, if you lost property, it was returned to you. If you were in debt, the debt was forgiven. Basically, everybody one once in a generation got to start all over again. Jesus is our Jubilee. We get to start all over again. If you have never received him and you receive him today, your life begins today. There's something different about who and what you are beginning today. Now, uh, I want to look at the, the Gospel of Mark uh, Mark chapter uh, 16. And I, I read this many, many years ago, and when I read it, there was just something about a, a particular thing that he said. And uh, in verse one, it says that the Sabbath was past. Jesus had died. He'd been put in the tomb. Uh, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices. Uh, that they might come and anoint him, and and then it goes on to talk about the angel was there, and the angel, uh, the tomb had been, the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. They looked in, he wasn't there, and the angel says to them uh, in verse five, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed, but he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where he laid. So he says to them, look, you're coming. There's an old, old Pentecostal song that said, don't look for the living out among the dead. And and there's another, uh, uh, tr- not translation, but another um, Telling of this that, that says it that way. Don't look for the living out among the dead. Why are you looking for Jesus here among the dead? And so uh, Jesus, he says to them, he's not here. Uh, you can see the robe, it's that's here, but don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth. He's risen. He's not here. Just exactly what he said he'd do, he did. But verse 7 is the thing that caught my attention and what I want to talk to you about today. But go, tell his disciples and Peter tell his disciples and Peter that I that he is going before you into Galilee there you will see him as he said to you go tell his disciples but he he ex- express expressly I'll get it out he expressly says tell Jesus I mean tell Peter go tell his disciples but also tell Peter make sure you tell Peter why did he single Peter out like that? And the way it comes out, it could also almost mean that, well, he's saying Peter's not a disciple anymore. But that's not true. That's not why he said that. Peter is still called to be the leader. We're going to look at that in a minute. He's still a disciple. He's back with the disciples by now. But there's something that happened in Peter's life that this angel, inspired by Jesus, wants to make sure that these women don't just tell everybody else. Maybe these women look at what Peter did and, and they have a particular opinion, but God wants to make sure that they go tell His disciples and Peter. That just stuck in my craw. I wanted to know what what is this all about? Why did you do that? Why did you say it that way? And so I began to think about this and I began to think about Peter. Now we know, the the end of the story and we'll talk about that in a minute but i want to talk about peter generally and see if maybe you can relate to this let's look at peter uh in relation to paul Uh, not that paul was wrong not that what i'm going to describe there's anything wrong with god needs people like paul but let me see i i don't know about you but for me i probably relate a little bit more to peter Uh, Paul was highly educated. He had been educated by one of the greatest teachers in Israel at that time, a man called Gamaliel. He was very educated. Peter Peter was virtually uneducated. He had very little education. Paul was well-connected. He was from a prominent family. I mean, he knew Gamaliel, who sat on the council. He was uh, intimately acquainted with him. He's He was a, a, a student and a friend of Gamaliel. But Peter was from a country town far from the center of things, far from the place where what's going on is going on, if you know what I'm saying. I don't know about you, but I don't live in New York City. I live far, far away from the center of anything in a very small town. Uh, And that's where Peter was. He was just a normal guy living in a a small town. He didn't have any connections. Paul was from a wealthy family uh, and an influential family. Peter was a fisherman. He had to work every day of his life. Maybe some of you can relate. And listen, if you're out there and you got some money, we're for you as well, and this will work for you too. But I just want you to know that Peter, he just wasn't anything special. He was a working stiff like you and me. He went to work every day, had to earn money to feed his family. Now, he owned a business, but still, he wasn't somebody special. He was just a person like us. Let's look at him in relation to the other disciples. Who would have been the better leader? I'll just pick uh, a few that we could talk about. Matthew, he was a tax collector, but he got reformed. But as a tax collector, he would have been a good administrator, don't you think? He'd have done really well at handling the details, the business side. And boy, I tell you, there are a lot of people out there right now that think what we really need in the church is to be more businesslike. I think what we really needed in the church right now is to be more Christ like, but that's just me. Uh, John was the one who, loved, who Jesus loved. I mean, there was something special about this young guy. Certainly, he was a young man. He was younger than the rest. But it says Jesus loved him. Now, granted, John was the one who said those things. But there was something special about John to Jesus. And yet, he wasn't the one that was chosen as a leader. Andrew was a good gatherer. He's the one that brought Peter to Jesus. He was a very faithful man He could have been a good leader. Nathanael, Jesus, when Jesus had seen Nathanael from afar off, and when they brought Nathanael to Jesus, Jesus said, look at this, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. And Nathanael said, how do you know that? Well, because God told him that. What's that mean, no guile? No guile means that he was honest, he had integrity, and there was no deception in him. Well, you know what? Nathanael might have been a good leader. Well, let's see about Peter. What was he like Uh, during his time with Jesus there you might say, and I thought about this and this is being a little harsh, but Peter was kind of a wannabe. He was loud, he was bold, he was constantly opening his mouth, but he just never quite made it to the end. Uh, I, I, we remember the story in uh, in uh, uh, I think it's John 14 not John 14 Matthew 14 I believe it is or Mark one no not Mark but Matthew 14 I'm pretty sure where uh, the, Jesus came to Jesus uh, Peter to the disciples boy, my mouth is working today, where Peter, Jesus came to the disciples and he was walking on water and they were in the middle of a storm in the boat and Peter says to Jesus, hey, is that you out there? If it's you, bid me come walk on the water with you. Listen, be careful what you ask Jesus. What was Jesus gonna say? No, Peter, it's not me, stay in the boat. He couldn't say that, it was him. And so Jesus said, come on ahead. And Peter got out of the boat, think about it. He got out of the boat and began to walk on water. But something happened partway there. He looks around. He sees the wind is blowing. He sees that it's raining. He sees the waves are high. Can I ask you a question? Is it easier to walk on water when there's no wind, when the waves are smooth, when there's no rain? I don't think so. You see, wind and rain and waves are irrelevant when you step out into the supernatural. But he couldn't get his eyes off that. He began to look around. Now, the Bible says he walked. It didn't say he stepped out and sunk. It says he walked, but as he was walking, he got distracted. Anybody here ever, anybody listening to me, rather, ever get distracted? I know I do. He got distracted, and he began to look around, and he looked at the natural circumstances, and he began to sink. Now, thank God Jesus came and and grabbed him and didn't let him go down. Can I just tell you he's not going to let you go down? Even if you start sinking, he's not going to let you go down. But he looked at at Peter, and he said, why did you doubt? Why did you quit believing? It's like, again, here's Peter. He's bold enough to step out of the boat, but he just can't quite make it to the end. One of the most powerful times in Peter's life is in Matthew 16, verse 18. And Jesus has asked the disciples two questions. Who do men say that I am? And who do you say that I am? And nobody had really good answers. And finally, Peter Uh, looks at him, and in my mind, I picture him standing up. He's been sitting back for once. He didn't have anything to say, but he stands up. He looks Jesus in the eye, and he says, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Christ is powerful. The Son of the living God is even more important because that went against his Hebrew tradition and teaching. And so Jesus looks at him and says, Simon Bar-Jonah, you you didn't hear this from flesh and blood, but God himself gave you this revelation. Think of it. Even before the new birth, things have changed since the new birth. But even before the new birth, God had spoken to Peter and given him this uh, revelation. And Jesus said to him, you're no longer Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter now. Simon is like a reed blown in the wind, but Peter is a rock, or at least a stone. And he says, you become firm, you become more solid because of this revelation. Wonderful time. I tell you, I would love it for jesus to have been there and said something like that to me i'm sure peter's chest just began to uh, you know puff out and and he began to say man i'm getting a hold of this thing anybody ever feel that way about your christian walk i have but then just a few verses later jesus is telling them now look we're going to jerusalem i'm going to be arrested and i'm going to be killed but i'm going to be raised from the dead and peter comes up to him and says hold on here listen I am not going to let that happen to you. You're not going to die. You're not going to get, that's just not going to happen, Jesus. You need to understand, I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen. And Jesus looks at him and says, get thee behind me, Satan. I mean, he goes in just a few minutes from flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you to get thee behind me, Satan. That's a bad day on top of a really good day becomes a really bad day but he wasn't talking. He wasn't calling Peter Satan. Satan was using Peter, but he did identify the problem. He said, Peter, you're thinking like man and not like God. You just, you you did really good. You got a revelation, but you couldn't carry that over into being able to see beyond what my word said to what God is going to do. That's just the way Peter was the whole time he was with Jesus. It's like if you wanted to say what was a real characteristic of Peter, it was he couldn't quite make it all the way. He, he was almost, but not quite. I think most of us can relate to Peter. I don't know about you, but I know in my life there have been many times, and I I want you to know something, I've been in the ministry for more than 40 years, I think it's 43 years now, I have been, I'm, I'm 67 years old, so you can do the math, all of my life, I have laid down to do the work of ministry, I've pastored three churches, I've traveled around the world, I've taught leaders, trained people, taught Bible school, I've given myself to the work of the ministry, and yet there are days when I feel like Peter, I feel like I'm just not quite getting there. Times where, where I've I've not fulfilled my commitments. Times where I've just not not really uh, done all that I knew I could do. And if you've been a Christian any length of time, if you can't say with me that, yeah, I've done that too, I've been that way too, then you're not being honest with yourself. Let's take a look at Peter in the end. We're more familiar with this. He, we get to the end of, of his time. Jesus is about to go to the cross in John 13, 14, 15, uh, 16, in uh, 17, God is Jesus is really talking to his disciples. It's his last time with them. And in 13, he does something very important. He begins to wash the feet of the disciples. Now, he didn't do this because their feet were dirty. He didn't even do this just to show them that he was humble, so they should be humble. There was something else. He was committing them to something. This was a covenant action. And he said to them later, if I've done this to you, that, com- that, that, uh, that causes you to be uh, um, um, obligated to do it for others because I'm your covenant leader and I did it to you. You have to be willing to serve others. I served you, you served, you served others. But he comes to Peter, and Peter says, no, 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 no you're not going to wash my feet. I'm not going to let you humble yourself that way. And Jesus says, listen, if I don't wash your feet, you're not part of this. He says, okay, wash my whole body then. He said, you're not dirty except but for your feet. And so Peter had to submit to that. Now, was it really that he was concerned about Jesus' pride or was he a little concerned about his pride? Well, we won't know that until we get to heaven and can ask Peter. But we do know that there was something still. He, he, just, he just couldn't quite get over a, a, a hump, if you will and then in uh, at the table it wasn't peter that laid his head on jesus breast now you know uh, john is the one that did it Maybe you could speculate on the, uh, that uh, John you know, took the place and Peter, there wasn't any room for Peter. But couldn't Peter have, have beaten John to the punch, if you will? Couldn't Peter have wanted that kind of intimacy with Jesus? But he wasn't. He wasn't the one that did that. Then we go to the garden. They go out to the garden to pray. Jesus says, watch with me, pray with me. Uh, uh, this is really hard for me. And what happened? What did Peter do? He wasn't the only one, but we know that Peter did something. He fell asleep. Ever fall asleep in the prayer meeting? I have. Have you ever told God, I'm going to pray in the morning? And you start to pray and you fall asleep. I was just watching uh, something and there was a a minister. That had made that commitment to Jesus, and he every morning he'd get up at 5:30, and he had he was working, he was had a body shop, and he was trying to pray. He's going to give God that time of day, but he kept falling back to sleep. So he said, "Well, well, devil, here's here's what I'm going to do." And he got up and he stood on the edge of his bathtub. He said, "If if I fall asleep now, I die," and he stayed <laughs> awake to pray. Well, I don't know that we need to be that extreme, but we know this: Peter fell asleep, and I've fallen asleep. I've let my flesh or my weariness get the better of me at times and fallen asleep when I when I wanted to be committed to Jesus, when I wanted to do the right thing. Peter fell asleep. But it didn't end there. Then when they came to get Jesus. And again, Peter is trying to defend Uh, Jesus, but he's doing it in the flesh. Peter reverts to the flesh. Peter reverts to violence. The Bible says he had a sword and he took it out and cut off a servant's ear. Listen, the servant, the servant wasn't a bad guy. Why'd he cut off the servant's ear? Why didn't he go for the soldier? I don't know. Maybe he's thinking the soldiers can fight back, but he cuts off this servant's ear and Jesus again has to rebuke. Peter and says, listen, violence is not the way those who live by the sword die by the sword. God's got something else in mind. But Peter, he's trying. He's working at it, but he's just not quite able to get there. And then finally, the story we know about. Peter had said to uh, Jesus, had said to Peter, listen, before the rooster crows three times tomorrow, You will have uh, twice. You will have denied me three times before the rooster crows twice. You will have denied me three times. Peter, he says, no, that's not going to happen. I'll go with you all the way to death, and I believe he meant it. But he just. He just couldn't quite get there. And the Bible says that after they took Jesus, he followed him, but from afar off. He wasn't going to get too close. He wasn't going to get involved. He was there outside where they were trying him, but he, he certainly wasn't going to try and go in. He, there was nothing he could do, but he wanted to be there. But when he was asked, somebody looked at him and said, hey, listen, you, you're, you're a Galilean. You, you must be one of those that follow this guy. He says, no way. It's not me. I don't, I don't know him. I don't know who he is. Twice, uh, three times altogether, uh, tw- uh, two times the same thing, you you must be one of them. No, I'm not one of his. And the third time, the third time, the old fisherman comes out and he, and he issues what a profanity, a cuss word, if you will, and he says, I bless, did not, do not know him. Now, you can put in whatever words you want under the frum, 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 but you know what I'm saying. He said, I didn't whatever know him. I'm not one of them. Leave me alone. And at that point, he hears that rooster crow the second time. Oh my. What would Jesus, uh, Peter have felt? I keep getting those two mixed up. What would Peter have felt at that moment when he heard that rooster? How must he, how separated must he have felt from Jesus? How much did he feel like he was a, a failure at that point? And the truth is, He was a failure. He was an abject failure. He'd failed when he was with Jesus. He'd failed at the at the crucifixion. I mean, at, at the when they took him, he failed all along the way. He tried, but he just didn't make it. And yet, there was something. These were sinful acts. These were not just, you know, I mean, you deny Jesus and cuss while you're doing it. That's pretty sinful. And yet, when the angel speaks to those women, He says something that just rang in my heart. Go tell my disciples and Peter. I think it might have been uh, almost more accurate, and this is my speculation, and especially Peter, because he needs to hear it. He needs to hear that I'm still with you. He needs to hear that he's still part of this. He made a mess of this, but that thing that he did Jesus wants him to know, because it was Jesus who told the angel what to say. Jesus wants him to know that your failure has not changed your destiny. God had called Peter to lead the disciples. This is a movement that's going to change the whole world. It seems like Peter was the last person, and I'm sure at that moment, he felt like he was so unworthy, so unable, he had done so many things wrong that he didn't he didn't even probably even want to hear it, and yet he did go back. And God says to him so specifically, Peter, go tell my disciples and Peter. Peter, I want you to know, you're still part of this thing. Listen, maybe you have failed. Maybe you've failed in life. Maybe you were a Christian and you went away from God. Maybe you are a Christian, but you feel like you're just not doing enough. You're just not making it. There may be things you need to change. There may be things you need to repent of. Repentance is not some terrible thing. God says, repent, and you're supposed to feel bad. And listen, there's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Repentance is just going home. If God is pointing something out in your life that needs to change, and you need to repent, that means you need to just go home. Just like the prodigal son, he just came to his senses and went home. That's what repentance is. Come to your senses and go home. But beyond that, even if you didn't, it doesn't change God's love for you. It doesn't change God's calling on your life. God had called Peter to lead this thing. God had called Peter to be the one that would bring the disciples into the next stage, into the church age, Paul uh, Paul was also part of it, but Peter was the one who was the initial leader, and so God reaches out to him, and he says, listen, tell Peter, I haven't forgotten him, tell Peter that, uh, that he's still part of this. Can I just tell you, it was always hard for Peter? We see him in the 19th chapter of John, and, and Jesus is trying to get a truth through to him. And, and he says, do you love me? And Peter says, I love you. And he says, do you love me a second time? And Peter says, listen, I told you, I love you. And he, and, and he says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And he says the third time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter, it's interesting, if you look at the words, the first two times it says, Peter, do you agape me? yes but agape is a different thing it's the love of god it's it's a it's a profound love it's it's a deep love it's a selfless love and the second time he says peter do you agape me peter says yes yes why you keep asking me this and the third time jesus says peter do you philio me it's a different kind of love and peter says yes that's not to really be that negative towards peter it's just that you know just because you're saved just because Jesus is, is in you, just because the Holy Spirit has filled you doesn't make you perfect. It was always hard for Peter. He was still Peter. But when Jesus sent that message to him, tell my disciples and Peter, he was telling him something. You've got another chance. You've got a second chance. It's not just a second chance, but as many chances as you need if you come to me and if you repent. My brother and sister, what are we celebrating today? We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. That's true. We're celebrating that God raised him from the dead. That's true. But we're also celebrating that personal resurrection that comes to us when we're born again. And we're celebrating the fact where are you today? Have you failed? Have you fallen down? Maybe not terribly, maybe just a little bit, or maybe it is terribly. Maybe you've really failed. God wants you to know today, and as we celebrate on this Easter Resurrection Day Sunday... You need to think about this and realize, and if you hear this past the day, that doesn't make any difference. You need to think about the fact when God raised Jesus from the dead, he gave Peter a second chance. And Peter had been a failure. When God raised Jesus from the dead, you've got a second chance. Go back to that resurrection. Whenever you feel like you're failing, go back to that resurrection. And remember Peter, because if God would do it for Peter, God will certainly Do it for you and me. Well, God bless you. Uh, Have a great Resurrection Day if this is when you're hearing it. If not, have a great Resurrection Day anyway. God bless you. We'll talk to you next time.